Hi, buckaroos. What are you, Papa's little? <laughs> That's it. Come on now. Let's sing it. When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. When you meet temptation and the urge is very strong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. Not just a little squeeze. Pucker up and blow. Uh, howdy, little buckaroos out there. That's uh, for Felix. Felix Matthew, our little, our littlest buckaroo. Welcome to the Pup and Jay Show. Uh, that's what this is. This is a podcast, a place for lots and lots of talking, which is relevant to the West somehow, the Wild West, right? Buckaroos like to talk. Hi, Pop. Howdy, sis. Buckaroo sis. I'll explain that Felix thing real quick. Arthur is Felix's dad, my first grandchild, my grandson. And his latest vocabulary advancement has him answering Arthur when Arthur says, Papa's little. And Felix says, Buckaroo! And it's the cutest thing you ever heard in your life. So yeah, I think we're paying gonna... homage to Felix here. I'm thinking you're going to hear his little voice on here. I'm going to try and get a clip in there. So you'll hear a little buckaroo. There we go. His so voice... what are we on here? Is this like episode 240? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Maybe well, like 300? What, whatever it is, uh, having Felix's voice would make it. I think it's episode 24. Wow. Yep. 24. So I was only off by a lot, but that's good. That's a lot of episodes. You know, I really thought we were in the hundreds. I was with you. Um, And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying. It might be a good thing. I've been listening to Matt Frad's podcast, and he just hit number 30, so we got to catch him. But his are only. His are like 15, 20 minutes. He's kind of. And he does them by himself. Yeah. Coordinating with you is like good luck. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to Felix's voice. It's really inexplicable. So hopefully, there's a clip that you heard. He should have <laughs> his own. He should really have his own podcast. He only knows like maybe forty or a fifty words, them. but yeah, I would listen to it still, like hours of it. So I, I tell you what, I totally would. Listen to it as well. I can't. All right. It. Well, he says things like "demon" and "puma." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and "monkey." Uh, how about Pikachu? Pikachu. Because yeah. he does the Pokemon thing. Yeah, it helps because his mom's like a cartoon character voice. So she really, truly is. She should be a voice actress for Disney. I swear. For sure. For sure. For sure. Speaking of voices, uh, good segue. I think today's episode is going to resonate with the folks out there. We are going to discuss something that most everyone can relate to, and that is hearing voices. Hearing voices, like as in like crazy people, like multiple personality kind of thing. Well, kind of, I think, sometimes, but at least that's what some people would call you if you told them that you heard a voice out of the clear blue sky that saved your life or had some amazing impact. And sometimes it's not even a voice. Sometimes it's 
an action or a feeling. Oftentimes it's a feeling. A sign. Yes, a sign. And actually more and more, because I think what we're really talking about here is God and the way he guides our, is supposed to and does guide our lives or speak to us or whatever. And I, especially as society gets more and more and more secular, it's funny because we're in this presidential election cycle right now. And I can think of a lot of times when Bush, President Bush, W. Bush, um, during like the 9-11 stuff, when he would talk about God and eventually, you know, him and anybody else who says they they talk to God for for wisdom, and that gets mocked these days, you know. And that's, I think that's where it kind of bleeds, like, over, like, the crazy part. Like, is there any level of prayer that secularists don't think is crazy? And the answer is no. Well, actually there is, and that is the prayer to self, uh, the meditation, the, the meditation, the yoga stuff. The, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's because, the, you know, the me is the mightiest being in the galaxy, and so that's who I need to get to my inner self and focus on me and all of that, which is... Uh, and it's I, really I, interesting because, you know... Um, I did yoga for stretching purposes a few times, and it was so uncomfortable. Not the stretching, but the what goes along with it. Even in the most, like, you wouldn't think you're going into, like, a church, but it starts to feel like you're praying to some God, and that God is you with all of the inner looking. And you know what's so weird is after so many years of, of looking outward to, for God in my life, that feeling of trying to look inner in yourself... It is really, like, it's kind of, like, uh, it made me just nervous and uncomfortable. Like, I already know what's in there, <laughs> and yeah, I'm well. trying to get help from, like, I don't know. It, it's very, it's totally different, and, but it's weird because, you know, it definitely, I don't see many people who have both, like, this looking towards self and looking outward, they they are very opposite. Even though people try to merge all this spirituality into one thing, um, it's, it is it's, yeah, it's really. So I I went through this course of classes last year and a little bit this year. Believe it or not, at the police station with a bunch of cynical cops, and it was uh, mindfulness. Oh, I love anyone, mindfulness. Yeah, if if anybody has ever looked into mindfulness, it's, it's something I've, I I mean, I didn't know that I called it that, but it's something I've been doing for many, many years. But I went through this kind of formal training on it with this really nice lady named Sherry who uh, teaches it, and she's all about mental wellness and all. But it focuses a lot on, and I guess the mainstream mindfulness community, it, it it's sort of a form of meditation, if you will, and it's about... But if you really take it for what it claims to be, it it is it, it's very Christian and it's very oh yeah I, the the way I do it is it extremely God centered. There's a there's a psalm that's very famous and everybody knows it, and uh, it's where God says, "This is God talking." He says, "Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know and and." That's like well, and think I about think the, the thousands of years of monks not making a sound or nuns 
Right. This very, very, I mean, I'm not saying that meditation isn't any, in fact, I've, I'm going through a series with do, uh, Dr. Greg Popcheck right now, who's a really great Catholic uh, yeah, he really is. Teacher, but he has this this uh, CD on mindfulness that I'm going through right now, and it's so good. And so I'm not saying that like you don't need to be quiet and look at you, but it's the you related to the create the one who created you. And the difference in yoga with without every I went to a few different like uh, classes is you like we actually said these thank your body, thank your thank your body for what it's done. Yeah. today and and yeah. uh, you're looking for answers within your own self but not in the right way there's just a different you know you're not trying that um the thing about being a christian or be believing in god in any way is uh there's a relationship between you and god between you and yourself there's no relationship that's just you you know well and and it's it's the perfect sort of spokesperson for this this generation and and what our society's become it's it's so me centered but it, back to mindfulness for just a second i was started to say that psalm be still and know and then if you add that to uh, matthew chapter 6 you know the birds of the field and and don't worry about tomorrow live for today live in the moment that's what mindfulness really is and what this lady that, that our instructor she did a great job of that she did a great job of of sort of highlighting she was by no means uh, espousing any christian anything but she did a great job of pointing out that the goal here is to be in this moment and so you you do focus on your breathing and you focus a little bit on your body, and that sort of gets your mind to still. And then, for me anyway, it really kind of like opened it to prayer, and that that was pretty fantastic. So if you want to get to a point where you can maybe hear God a little bit, um, that's a great way to approach it, I think. Yeah, well, and uh, I also highly recommend for any Catholics out there, take advantage of any uh, available Eucharistic adoration because there is a quiet place with God really there. And it's, I mean, God is really everywhere, but God is physically present in the Eucharistic adoration, and it's really powerful. Um, a quick story on Eucharistic adoration uh, Pope John Paul, Saint Pope, no, Pope Benedict or Pope John Paul II? One of them. No, I don't even remember. Anyways, he, I think it was Saint Pope John Paul II actually, was so, he was such an advocate for that that he, like did it every single day and when they were on a tight schedule his his staffers when they're moving him there's this one church there's a famous story of they they try they didn't want him to know that there was perpetual adoration going on so they kind of tried to block the door and not let him notice it because if he noticed there's a eucharistic adoration chapel he would go in for at least an hour every time and it would throw them off their schedule every time right <laughs> and so they tried to hide it from him but he felt it and went in on this one certain day that all these people attest to. So yeah, and that's, that's a relationship that's thing. He has a relationship with the God that he's been talking to. And so it's not just himself in there calling to him. That's weird. It's anyways. So Well, okay. So we, we started maybe going a little ahead, skipping to the next chapter, but talking about hearing voices or feelings or messages or whatever, every person that I've ever met, in my life, with no exceptions, has expressed to me something about, 
oh, look at that. That's a sign. That's a message. And what were you saying? Something about horoscopes or fortune cookies, right? Well, yeah, I wouldn't say everyone I've ever met because I have met some atheists who claim that they don't believe in any of that. And I think if you raise your kid to not believe that anything is even, and that everything that's like that is a coincidence, they at least they won't admit it to you. I'm well, I was going to say, they, they, may, they may say that, but have, you know the feeling, everyone, do you know this feeling where something happens or something and you say, what, what the heck? Wait, That's what? weird. Yeah, that's like the, uh, I was reading about Godwinks, that book, that famous Protestant book, and he turned it into a movement. And there's some really cool stories in his little book, um, When God Winks at You is one of his books, and there's a lot of really cool little stories about stuff like that. Yeah. Quote, unquote, coincidences that don't seem like coincidences at the time, and we'll probably talk about a few different ones from us and other people. Yeah. But people so, look to, I think, people who don't have, like, a firm gr- grasp of God or whatever, or they're just rolling around this world, just like most people, they are drawn, even me as a kid, I remember fortune cookies and m- more of, like, horoscopes, and gosh, the people that get into astrology, and it's so funny, you're you're taken more seriously, I feel like, like online in this in this country, when you talk about how your astrological signs line up and so people are looking for confirmation from beyond oh yeah like, it, it, how often well i you know i deal with people literally every day in all different kinds of situations most of them bad unfortunately but i hear this all the time oh i'm a gemini oh i'm an aries so of course this happened to me and i just you know tilt my head slightly slightly to the right and I'm like Oh, so you're an Aries, and so that's why somebody burglarized your vehicle. Got it. Okay, but you're especially right. these days it, when people are <laughs> people are scheduling their like uh, C sections for certain days, and I'm like, so because you exited the womb a certain day, really, really. Well, and then what happened recently with that when the planet things changed and now people that are yeah, Taurus. I don't, I don't even, even know if I'm an Aries or a Taurus. I, I mean, it's changed, right? But that's, um, but that's not crazy. And I love it in, like, Harry Potter is one of my favorite little fun series to read. And I, I do have always loved that Hermione was so skeptical of yeah. that branch, even of magic. And that's in a world where magic is real. And... Yeah, I feel like in our world, we're less skeptical about fortune tellers and all that stuff. Like, people are more apt to go believe what a fortune teller says than a priest. Okay, here's my here's my take, and here's my theory on it, is this is 100% confirmation bias. But it's confirmation bias with a little twist, because we are wired, as you and I have probably discussed on more than one of our previous episodes, we're all sort of wired to know that god is exists and we know that he talks to us and all that but we don't always want to admit that it's god or we don't want to admit that you know people that are not don't want to go that way so they go the other way where it's spiritual i love that phrase and so it's confirmation bias um they do hear voices they do feel things and they do have intuitions or whatever but rather than attribute it to you know, uh, their guardian angel or God himself 
the Holy Spirit, whatever, they just sort of generalize and call it spiritual. And it still confirms their, so it makes them feel okay, if, if that makes any sense. It's confirmation bias, well, anyway, either notice, way you look at it. Well, and along with the fortune telling and the horoscopes and this kind of thing, what you're talking about, it, like if you let stuff in and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's, that's my spiritual side. Like well, I'm thinking of one of my cousins in particular who's much more ready to say the the plant outside's talking to her than Christ in the Eucharist. But anyways, what that, the, the main problem is, this society, what that opens you up to, which I think we're going to talk about also, is not just God talking to you, but the the bad side of things talking to you. So, yeah. And yeah. that stuff getting, coming across to you. So... You know, we wonder, how do people go so bad? How does this happen? Or how do people get in such dark moods? Or how are people so suicidal? Or how is the world falling apart? Well, I think part of it could be listening to the wrong voices, too, which we've talked about, I think, on our yeah at least one of our episodes. But um, And that's the problem. The main problem with fortune tellers and all that kind of stuff, you, you're opening yourself, and yoga even, you are opening yourself up potentially to voices that are not necessarily good voices, but sound, they sound like something. They're spiritual. So that's, yeah, that's exactly. Anything. Well, the, the, I think the bigger point, uh, our point here would be that every, okay, I'll say everybody sweeping generalization, but everybody wants to confirm this thing that they feel. And so, uh, you were going to mention something about Native Americans, right? They, everybody wants to confirm the fact that they feel this this voice or this message or whatever it is, whether they actually heard a voice or they felt something or they saw something, a sign. Everybody kind of wants to confirm that, and they want to do it on their terms. And even good Catholics or good Christians, this is why the church is so skeptical about so-called apparitions, all these kinds of things. People often are sure that God's talking to them, but you have to be cautious about that. And you have to form, which I think we're probably going to talk about, form your conscience well enough to, to be able to recognize if that's God or not. Well, it's the, the uh, Jesus appeared on a piece of toast, and next thing you know, there's a, a thousand people in the neighborhood lining up to come see that piece of toast. Or even there's an- some Marian, like I know there's the Magigori stuff that's, a big controversy controversy right now. And so even stuff that seems good, but maybe, you know, the church is cautious. You don't want to mislead people or whatever, but the native American thing I was going to bring up was, um, my grandpa loved native American spirituality long before I even really knew what that meant. Um, he talked about that. I'd say more than he talked about being a Catholic, but I didn't talk to him much as about religion or anything. But it was, it just seemed, it was easier for him to understand. And there's no doubt that it's in a very good way. Uh, I would say most of it. Appreciating nature and like, you know, I think about Pocahontas, the, the Disney cartoon. And I remember there was this, um, we lived in Missouri at the time when it came out next to this family that were like these super fundamentalist uh, Christian. Right. And they were not allowed. I wasn't even allowed to talk about Pocahontas in their house. It was so not okay. What that they like that grandmother willow, you know, the spirit of the earth and all this stuff. But for me, it always seemed like it went hand in hand with what I believe probably because my grandpa, but even now as I think about it and I read um, some of the old native American stuff, like 
they were looking for God and talking to God and appreciating him. I think in a way, and, and I, it's cool. I imagine like what we're talking about here, where you hear God's voice, like they would, you know, something would show up when they were just right when they needed it, you know, whatever that was. And they would be grateful for it to the, well, God, God revelation is one of the great mysteries of history, but God has clearly revealed himself through generations to different people in yeah. different ways, yep. different peoples, I should say. The way he revealed himself to the Jews and, and possibly to the Native Americans, um, just because the, the, the problem, though, becomes pantheism. Yeah. And, and yep. it, where people say God is everywhere, yeah, but pantheists are like God is everything. Right. God is in the rock. God is the rock. The rock is God. There's no difference. And, and so it's, it's sort of, uh, and you know, know. What's funny we're, we're kind of going afield here. But, but no, I think it's a good point that because like we're talking about talking to God and you can talk to God anywhere. Uh, but does that mean that God is the, like you're saying, is the tree? So should you worship the tree? And that's how maybe uh, Protestants see us when we like are in a moment of meditation or prayer with a, let's say a statue or a candle. Like last night I was, for all yesterday was all saints day. And so I was praying at home with some incense and a statue and praying for my cat who's really sick. And hmm, so that to Protestants, I think is kind of how we're talking this pantheistic thing, but is it, I'm looking for an answer from God and in, in whatever way he decides to show it to me. Um, I don't know when, we, I, I wrote, I just jotted down random things to talk about, but I guess this is kind of a good time for this. I was, well, in this episode about talking to God, I, I talked to my husband, I'm like, cause he's a convert to Catholicism, and I asked him what he thought about talking to God, cause he's had a lot of near-death experiences, and I kind of thought that's what he would say, but he said that I should definitely mention this, and this is something that's pretty cool, is, uh, as a Protestant his whole life, he carried around guilt, and people would say, just pray to God, you know, and he said it never went away until his first confession. And, you know, as Catholics, we believe that when you, when the priest is uh, doing confessions, he is in persona Christi. So he is in the person of Christ. You're actually talking to God. And it's a physical He's reality. A yes. And it's a physical reality like all the sacraments are. There's something physical in each one of them. And the physical aspect of confession is you speaking to another human. And um, that's right. talking to God. Like the most literal sense that we have right now with, you know, in this. And anyways, I think. Yeah. And by the way, just a, a very quick, for people who don't understand the whole concept of that, it is firmly and in concrete founded in Scripture because Jesus Christ told his apostles, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. And basically, when the apostles were forgiving sins, they were forgiving sins in Jesus' name mm -hmm. and as Jesus. They were acting as his body, just like he said. And so it's no different. So that's literally talking to God and receiving absolution for receiving forgiveness. And you know, it used to be more of a like cultural kind of like norm thing, like even for non-Catholics or you would see in like movies and stuff, 
the person in distress would somehow in a scene wind up in confession just because they needed to talk to somebody. And nowadays, like my husband was saying, well, people act like they're so far past that, yet they're obsessed with going to therapy. Or if they're an alcoholic, they're obsessed with these group meetings or, you know, people understand the need to physically talk to someone, yet they won't admit that, uh, you know, the the confession thing is, like... Is a really important thing too. So I, I definitely think that's the best time that I talk to God is in confession. Me too, without a doubt. But it, I'll, I'll tell you that one of the focus areas I wanted for us to talk about was definitely us reaching out maybe to God, but even more importantly was all these experiences that people have and all these stories. Uh, most most people that you know will have a story about a moment where they felt something was being communicated to them, either a voice or a sign or something. I mean, and some of them are really dramatic, like uh, like your Aunt Carolyn, when she was a teenager, her story that the whole family knows about. She was uh, walking across this very busy street, Pueblo Boulevard, and she got hit by a car and she flew up into the air and she felt to this day, she will tell you, she remembers it vividly and uh, everything that happened that night, she can still feel she, she was thrown up into the air by this car and she felt a pair of hands uh, catch her and set her down. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. one of those moments, you know, you said about Adam and near death. So near death things are one, uh, escaping kind of go with which, our uh, angels episode too, you know. Guardian yeah, angel. exactly. Um, but but see, people, whether it was getting hit by a car or whether it was just why did I make this decision and oh my god, I went, I was going to go down that street, but instead I went here. And if I had, I, I found out later there was a massive uh, car pileup and a fire on that street, and you know, I mean, whatever it is, uh, there was moments where something that you don't really know, and it wasn't you, to the best of your knowledge, but something told you something, communicated something to you in some way. Is it is it like a just a big self-delusion? Because so many people, if not all people, have had this sort of moment, either small or large. Or is it is it just another of these famous, you know, coincidences? Um, or is it the, the God winks thing that you said? What is it? That's kind of where my focus was leaning well yeah um like there's one case that's kind of famous i know uh seth mcfarland who's really really super atheist um and he for some weird inexplicable reason happened to be late for his flight the morning of september 11th and he was supposed to be on flight 93 right 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 and so he was in the bar at the at the airport when stuff started to go down and he remembers the trial in his own mind should like what does this mean and then he determined it meant nothing so it's not that these things happen and then it's like that's the point which we've talked about before is that god doesn't force anyone to him but he gives he's there for us you look for him my my most like I have a lot, I have a bad memory anyways, but I don't like the memory I have the most distinctly, probably just cause it was like one of my first ones, um, 
where I felt like God, like, right there, like, joking with me, because I really do think that, like, joking with God or, like, communicating with him in that kind of a way has been, like, the most confirming of his, like, personal nature to me, like, like, I don't know, this, I was just driving around, and there's a song I was thinking of, I was in a horrible mood, and it was a Third Eye Blind, Third Eye Blind song, I wanted to come on the radio at the time when you couldn't just pick any song you wanted on your phone, because it was like a depressing song, and I wanted to hear it, but I had the name of it wrong, and I kept thinking, please, I just want Third Eye Blind Jumper to come on, but I was thinking of a different song, which is Third Eye Blind, How's It Gonna Be, and the very next song that came on was Third Eye Blind Jumper, and it made me laugh, because... It was a song I was thinking I wanted, and I really felt like it was God saying, but that's not really what you wanted, but I'm giving you exactly what you asked for. And it just <laughs> felt kind of like a little joke. because it Right. Came, and it's just something that stuck out, but it's a small, super small, insignificant, it's not a near-death experience in any way, but it, it, especially when you're a teenager and everything seems so important, it's something well, to make you think, you're not alone, we're walking this walk with someone. So I'm really glad that you mentioned, you know, the radio thing, because I wanted to mention uh, a a newer friend of mine, a really good guy uh, that I met not too long ago. He he was telling me uh, some some of his personal stories about God intervening in his life, I guess, is the way to frame it. And one of them was when he was younger and, and he was like a valet car valet type thing. And but. He recently had an experience uh, just within the last couple weeks that that was really pretty darn weird. And so I, I want to mention it without a lot of specifics because I certainly don't want to broadcast anybody's info. But, it, uh, you know, I told him I would probably mention this. And he's like, well, yeah, he wanted – in fact, he wanted me because he listens to our podcast and he wanted me to talk to you about it and get your take. But he was – he listens to different podcasts and he's kind of into some of the, uh, maybe the paranormal stuff. And he was listening to, he is a Christian. He, he's a God fearing man, but he was listening to this audio book on Roswell. Remember the aliens, supposedly there was an alien, uh, ship that was crashed in mm-hmm. like the forties and, Roswell, New Mexico, and the Air Force had it on a secret base, and there was an alien and all that. Well, mm-hmm. apparently there was this book uh, recently written, and this is the one he was listening to on audio in his truck, and it was about Roswell, uh, the alien crashing in 1947, and the Air Force supposedly had this alien mm-hmm. Uh, they had the alien, and they were trying to talk to the alien, but the alien would only talk to this one person, and it was uh, she was a nurse, an Air Force nurse. Um, and all of the things that the alien said to her, she wrote down and didn't release a lot of it at the time. And then, I guess, on her deathbed or something, she gave the notes to the author of this book and said, go ahead. And so he published it. Well, a lot of the stuff that, that supposedly the alien told her was like, Earth is actually a prison planet for these souls. And, you know, you leave here, you go up to this bright light and you think you're dying, but actually you're just getting recycled to go to another life on another galaxy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, Some grand thing like that. Well, so he was listening to this thing and and he was going, uh, getting ready to go on a vacation. 
like a flight and a cruise and stuff. And he got into his truck and his truck, he's got a brand new truck and it's, uh, it always keeps track of his, his podcast and his books right where he was. And, mm-hmm. and he had finished that book, that audio book, and he was listening to one of his podcasts and he knew right where he was on it. He got in his truck and it was not on that podcast. It was on a different podcast and it was on one about, uh, a lady, I think it was a lady. Um, now I can't remember, but talking about, uh, God and a death and what happens to you after you die. And, and it was Christian oriented type thing. And, and then, you know, he went, he was at home and I can't remember the timeline if this was before or after, but he found in his pocket of one of his sport jackets that he was looking for in his closet, a message uh, or a, a note that he took as a message. And the note was a poem that he himself had written years ago upon the death of his, uh, I believe his mother-in-law. And it was, it was a, a beautiful little poem. He let me read it about, uh, you know, when we die and what happens and God and all that. And so at first he was fearful of this, this thing happening to him because I mentioned that something that happened to him as a young man when he was a valet, it also involved radios and cars and getting a message from the what was on the radio because that one was about uh, a message to him straight from God, he was sure. But anyway, so he was fearful to go on the trip, and he's like, oh, am I going to die? Is this telling me I'm going to die because it's talking about what happens when we die and all of this? And then he, he sort of had this epiphany, and it was almost like a voice telling him, uh, maybe you shouldn't be listening to books about aliens and recycling souls and and reincarnation and all of that because i have spoken to you as god and told you what happens when you die and it's that's not what happens to you when you die right and it it was really good very clear to him Mm -hmm. that that message because at first he was fearful and he's like should i cancel my vacation does it mean i'm gonna die and then he sort of realized that he was getting an entirely different message. And that was, Hey, you know what? Focus on what's important. It's okay to have recreation and read stuff and whatever, but let's not get, cause he said he was, when he listened to that book about the aliens, he got all like, Whoa, Hey, maybe this is, you know, his, his mind just sort of started. My husband falls into that a lot. Adam likes conspiracy theories. And so I, you know, we, so funny Yeah, before you go on, it's so funny because the, when, when, he and I were talking. I told him that, and I mentioned Adam. I did. I said, yeah. A lot of people, though, not just them. Adam's really high up there. And, and his mom, honestly, too. I, I know where he gets it from. And, and it, it's, the, it's the desire that we all have, you know? We're, we're curious creatures, so we want to know all this stuff. But um, I love stories like that. I think that is a really awesome story because it's a, I, it 100% in line with how I feel like my life is. The messages from God, that's why the best thing in the Bible, first of all, there's only one thing God promises you in the Bible, and that's wisdom. And I feel like wisdom comes from looking for God, because He is wisdom. He is truth. So the only thing He promises you is Himself, really. And so when you when He tells you, seek and keep seeking, it's so, so true. And so if you're, you know, if you're looking into this stuff with this open mind, which I think Adam and probably your friend, they have open minds and they're just creative people who are, you know, curious about stuff. But I do think that 
if you really genuinely want the truth and not just a, you know, some radical thing, God will actually move you the right way. Like if you're going the wrong way, if you're open for the truth. And that's why I always tell everybody, look into whatever you want, I guess, you know, you got to be careful with certain things. You don't need to go praying to Satan or anything. But I think that if you're genuinely searching for the truth, you will find it. You know, I don't have, in the Catholic Church, a lot of people who are are like, well, have you ever looked into another religion? Yeah, most of the people I know that I respect so much have looked into so many different, read so right. many books. There's nothing to fear. If you're looking for truth, you're going to find it. And So I there's, think- there's, a, there's a saying that's been around for a long time, but in different forms. I, I know I used it in one of my books that I wrote, not the angel book, but another one. Um, and it goes like, uh, be careful that your mind, have an open mind, but be careful that it's not open so far that your brain falls out or, um, mm-hmm. minds are so open that nothing stays in or a mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what, what all of that is, is a variant of another old saying, which is if, if you don't believe in something, then you'll believe anything or you'll fall for anything. anything, Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's actually, I think the crux of what we're talking about today is you hear a message and if your receiver isn't, doesn't have a digital screen that knows where the transmitter is or where it's coming from, then you'll, you'll just start going, well, that could have been everything or anything or this or that. But Mm -hmm. if, if you have a, if you have a foundation of belief, if you have sort of a worldview and, and you've thought it through and you're connected, your receiver and whatever transmitter, then you'll probably know where it's coming from if you're tuning your radio correctly. Does that make sense? Yeah, like that's what I think we were mentioning earlier about forming your conscience well. You're, yeah. you, God is going to tell you, I think, if you're genuinely searching for him the right way or if you're genuinely just whatever you're doing. Um, if you're like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. If you're open to it. Um, I think that, you know, the hardest thing for all of us is when you, when you're in a position, you don't know which way to go as you, as I don't know if I should take this job. I don't know if I should do this. And you're praying and you don't feel like it's being answered. Well, one thing that you've taught us and that you've done a lot is just, trusting God. That's another big part of listening is trusting that it's, it's going to work out. That's, it's a weird one. Like there's silence and then that gives you answers or gives you. That's I, the hardest thing of all to me though. I mean, it, I have Cause you want an answer. Cause you want talking, you want a sign, you want yes. to, you, somebody tell me what to do right now. And sometimes see, and that's like the, and no matter like how which culture you're talking about really you'll see like the Dalai Lama or the Buddha or whatever you'll notice that these people have in common is that they're quiet you know maybe they're not all going the right way but I'm just saying like they're patient patience is like and sometimes God doesn't talk to you on your own on your schedule so that's another big thing is you're looking for an answer you're you want to know why is this happening you know you want your whoever's sick in your family to get better or at least to understand why is this you know and yeah yeah 
that you don't well, always get an answer right when you want it. So that's another part of talking to God, so, I think, is so spiritual dryness you, or whatever they call it. Yeah, you nailed it to um, Saint Saint Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She said one of the best quotes to relate to what we're talking about. She said, "Listen in silence, because if your heart is full of other things, then you cannot hear the voice of God." And that is that is what's wrong today with all of us, myself included. We, our hearts, our minds, our lives are full of so many things mm-hmm. that, you know, if God, if God says, be still and know that I am God, we are not still. Mm-mm. Nothing about our lifestyle and our society today is still nothing. It's just the opposite of that. And so God doesn't always use a booming voice. In fact, most of the time, I think it's subtle. And if we're so busy in our important, busy lives, then subtle messages often just sail right over our head. Mm-hmm. Right and over it, our head. Well, and this, that's coming from a woman who experienced sp- spiritual dryness for 40 years or something. Dark night of the soul where God didn't talk to her. She heard nothing. She felt nothing. She felt like God right. wasn't there, she says. But it doesn't matter because she knew he was. And so this is another way of talking to God, not talking to him, or not you talking to him, but you not necessarily hearing him, you know? And there's a reason for that. It made her into this beyond powerful force. Like, her resolve was strengthened for so much by every trial she went through. She is unbelievable and to to affect change in this world this skeptical cynical world to not be somebody i mean the media and the the secular people and the entertainment industry these people they will destroy anyone's character and not her she is one of the people in that i can think of in this modern time really modern time who lived to her name there's there's still a few people who try and pretend like she wasn't who she was like a true saint but yeah give me a break 99 percent of even the most skeptical people learned saw true goodness from her and uh anyways this is from a woman who didn't necessarily hear god's voice all the time well because she was smart enough to know that we are busy and and our hearts are full of other things. And God doesn't always use that booming voice, but God did say in Proverbs chapter eight, verse 17, those who love me, I also love. And those who seek me, find me. He said that. And then uh, just to quote from the book of Job, a short little thing. This is really cool. Um, Job says at this, my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. And that is from Job. And if you, there's a lot more to that verse. And anyone, it's it's Job chapter 37. I, I'm telling you, it's just a thing of beauty. That that chapter, that verse is so amazing. Job, if you don't know, 
was someone who suffered as much or more than anyone in the history of the world as part of some, uh, well, it's, you know, allegorical test. But um, the beauty of Job's faith was even he didn't need he didn't need to hear a specific, you know, the, almost like the Native American thing you said. He saw God and he heard God's voice. To him, God spoke in his majesty, which is fine for him because God is, he comes to us personally. Well, and he we, comes, yeah, we think about like, there's, that's a, the old Testament is so literal and it's so different. God like literally speaks to people. Like if you think about Adam and Eve and the, Moses and Moses, uh, yeah. Abraham. And what In is fact, that like? Abraham, father Abraham and God were, you know, they, they, frequently just had conversations <laughs> but even moses it's like the burning bush versus like so there's like a some kind of a symbol of god as opposed to like well it wasn't a symbol like a conduit um the the beatific vision of actually seeing yeah. god's face was denied of course to, mm-hmm. to everybody but um he spoke directly to Adam and Eve, and they spoke back to him directly, not through a bush, but through him, and he spoke to Abraham frequently. And in the New Testament, speaking to Jesus, you know, and what even as a what even as a newborn, or even as a in utero uh, baby, God spoke to people, you know, moved people like uh, John the Baptist's mother and everything. Or John the Baptist. Well, and, and what did he say at Jesus' baptism? And the people there heard it. Yeah, this he is spoke. My, through, this that's is my true. son. With whom I am well pleased. Yeah, through the clouds. So, you know, God literally speaking. And then, of course, we can't forget that Scripture itself is the Word of God. Jesus is called right. the Word of God. So, yeah, words are really exactly. important. Speaking and communication. And I think that's part of the relationship thing. That's why... I really do feel like that yoga mentality of that spirituality idea of looking for everything within yourself is really dark. There's something super dark about it because it's really the opposite. It's that selfishness versus that selflessness. You're looking so much into you and it's, there's, you're bound to find not, you're not bound to anything good. Um, with that, but uh, well, because the queen mother, here we go. The queen mother of all sins is pride. The right. opposite, or not the opposite, but the antidote to pride is humility. And as C.S. Lewis so brilliantly said it, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less. Mm-hmm. So when you are meditating and all that, if you're, you know, if it's me, 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 then your return on that investment is going to be you know, very me centered. Whereas if, if you kind of focus on other things, maybe it's better, but well, we see we, that in the, uh, in, in like, which wasn't it a recent gospel talking about the, the tax. It was the tax was exact. I don't know. Recent, not this last one, but the one before the tax collector and the versus the Pharisee. And one is thank God. Thank you, God, that I'm not like all these people. And the other one was God help, you know, help me to be, whatever you want, much more selfless. So yeah, it's exactly all, it's right. human nature. One is, I'm so great. Thank you so much. And that's more right. of a thanking yourself. That's not like, that's not true humility. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> okay. So God's voice messages, uh, my life, I should have turned, I was going to turn left, but something told me to turn right. All of those things. Um, for me, a big part of it, I actually, I think it's two things, uh, which is really three things. Cause one of them is a two part. And the, the first one is, um, what does the word angel mean? We discussed this in our angel episode, but I'll just, just a quick test. What, what does angel mean in the Greek? What is it? What does the word mean? Messenger. Yeah. Messengers. Right. Um, and, and throughout the Bible, we see angels used in that capacity as well as others, but, um, they, they come and they talk and they give messages from God. Um, they also do other things, but they, that's a big part of what they do. And in my book, you know, obviously they, they, the guardian angels, they, they constantly give messages. They, they encourage us. They, they do what I call what the angel whisper, um, that voice in your ear, just like the classical, you know, there's an angel on the left side and a devil on the right. That, that's, there's a reason that that little caricature thing exists because, uh, everybody feels that we all feel that. Um, there's a little chart that I saw that was wonderful, and it said God's voice on one side and then Satan's voice on the other. And it says under God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you. God's voice leads you. Satan's voice pushes you. That one's huge to me, by the way, Um, leading versus pushing. Um, God's voice reassures you. Satan's voice frightens you. God's voice enlightens you, and Satan's voice confuses you. God's voice encourages you. Satan's voice discourages you. God's voice comforts you. Satan's voice worries you. God's voice calms you. Satan's voice obsesses you. And God's voice convicts you. And Satan's voice condemns you. That That's, if you're ever, you should write those down or whatever, back it up, because you want to talk about a great little diagnostic tool when, when you're in doubt about what you're feeling and what you're hearing and what the message is. If you, if me, speak for, I can only speak for myself, but if I feel something that's pushing me and I don't feel like the reason it's pushing me is because I'm just not quite sure about that, but it's pushing me, that's probably not God. If I feel that it's leading me, that way than it probably is. So, I mean, that little thing that I just rattled off, that is a great diagnostic tool for me, at least, because a lot of times uh, the feelings that we have, and and sometimes it's wrapped up in, uh, could be greed or lust or something that we think we want. Or And if, if we feel some of those negative sides, maybe we should reevaluate. Maybe, it's it's maybe. a good list. It's a really good list. Um, I, I really, really, really like that a lot. And I think that part of knowing, like I think about all the people I know, not to like beat this horse, but I think about, I have so many girlfriends who are so into yoga and they get so much supposed peace out of it. So I wonder, because they also fall apart I see easily, like a lot of them. But But besides that, I wonder how, you know, sometimes it's hard to even recognize those things. Like, wait, am I, am I being led or am I being put? Like, I think that that goes back to being, having a well-formed conscience. And how does a conscience relate to if I'm being led or pushed? It's a really important thing, I think, for every human being to form their conscience correctly and to understand 
what that means because I don't think you're going to understand whose voice is, is talking to you if you don't understand the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, cor- correctly. So your point about forming forming our conscience. So as they say, remember the old, it's the economy, stupid. Well, it's the conscience, stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conscience, I, I said there's a two-part and one, there's actually three because one of them is two-part. The angels, I believe, the angels, and that's the two-part because there are positive and negative messages coming there on our mm-hmm. shoulders. And the other part is our conscience. And our conscience is the voice of God in our soul. It, it definitely is. And by the way, you could ask um, even an, a hardcore atheist, and they will tell you that you, you should not violate your own conscience. They will tell you that. that you, where you will have the demarcation line is uh, why you have a conscience and what exactly it is, but we all, we all just intuitively know that we should obey our own conscience. Well, Christianity teaches that. Um, my guy, St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, was huge. He wrote a ton in the Summa and, about the conscience. And he said very clearly that it, to, it is a sin to go against your own conscience, even if your conscience is wrong, because it is the closest thing we have to God. It, it, is, it is God's voice in our soul. And that is a slippery slope these days, because people claim you know, that this or that, well, that's what I believe is right, you know, and everybody's got their own, what's yeah, it, but that, the, that relativism. The, We're not talking about moral relativism. We're talking about really trying to listen to your conscience. So, But remember that the conscience sees through that subterfuge, whatever they say. Um, so, like Aquinas said, and actually, before him, a pagan, Aristotle, they, they talked a lot about conscience and all of that. And um, ignorance, for example. Uh, if an action, if something that you do that's wrong, if, if you're completely ignorant, if you were like compelled to do it or if you were ignorant of it, then you can't really be held accountable for it, right? Thomas Aquinas took that and, and sort of said, well, ignorance does cause an involuntary, call it a sin, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to use the word sin because a lot of people, ooh, there's no such thing as that because I'm spiritual. But whatever you want to say, a, a mistake or a bad thing, it could be out of ignorance. I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, I forgot armed robbery was against the law, whatever. Ignorance causes an involuntary. But if you are the cause, if I am the cause of that ignorance, then the ignorance will be voluntary, and therefore I am liable for that action. So I can, be, I can be guilty of ignorance and be the cause of my own ignorance directly um, by, say, I get drunk and on purpose, like I, I get drunk on purpose. I think you and I were talking about that recently, about getting drunk on purpose. But, mm-hmm. um, or it could be indirectly. But it's because I didn't do what I ought to do. Like, I should have read that, or I should have known that. So if, if I'm ignorant of something because of my own shortcomings or my own fault that I'm ignorant of it, then that involuntary 
bad thing, sin, whatever you want to call it, then I am liable for it mm-hmm. if, if I'm liable for the ignorance. So all of that goes into the conscience. Mm-hmm. And so if your conscience is, is badly formed uh, through your own direct or indirect uh, something you did or failed to do, then you're still liable for it. But it's like the old argument, what about the tribe who's never heard of the gospel? Obviously, their ignorance is is not, it's almost like the invincible ignorance thing. They're, they can't be held liable for that. Well, and but each it, one of us is is going to be judged, and that's, I think, what probably scares people the most, is knowing that, like, you're going to be judged, there's only one person who can judge you, and he's, you know, going to, each of us is going to be held to our own amount of... Uh, what whatever we were given, what to whom much is given, much is expected, or whatever. Oh, nice. And to who you know, it's everybody's has their own culpability levels, but you like you're saying, you are required to form your conscience the best that you can. And I, I see a lot of people who sit in ignorance, like we all do, to different extents oh, yeah. levels. You know, not wanting to read, you know, claiming. You're depressed, but not wanting to do anything about it, or claiming, be you know, uh, and this is the devil talking to you too. This is another kind of the other side of it. Some people revel in these negative things, but they don't want to try to figure a way out of it. And that I think is kind of the reverse of what we're talking about here. Not looking for God. If you don't look for the the truth, then you're going to get what you get. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, so Aquinas and Aristotle both talked about uh, habitual vice and transitory vice. So, okay, so Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, my, that famous line we've probably said multiple times in our shows where, you know, it begins with a thought, you sow a thought, mm-hmm. you reap an action, you sow an action, you know, all the way down, for, you mm-hmm. go from an action to a habit to um, uh character and a destiny. Mm-hmm. So if you are habitually doing things and you're ignoring your own conscience, which is the voice of God talking to you, then that that's going to lead to a bad character and a bad destiny. But most, most people, and I think. And also unhappiness. Oh, for sure. Because happiness is, is virtue and virtue is a result of our own actions. It's the thing we can control. But, which I think in the future we might be talking about happiness on a show, I hope, very soon. Joy! Believe, believe me. But um, anyway, my, point, my whole point there was the voice is talking to you while you're doing these actions, while you're habitually doing these vices or whatever it is. There's a, a voice inside you that's, that's talking to you. And you know and what's interesting is that I think people are more willing to listen to that voice about more secular things like you notice how it's really in vogue right now to be in shape like it's normal for people to to feel bad about not going to the gym and they people understand and and i'm not saying that that's necessarily bad like i think it is true like it's a similar thing like you do have something in your conscience telling you that you should take care of your body but people are more willing to to recognize that than the other part of it which i always tell people like you take such good care of your body, but what about your soul? Like, you're watching, essentially, McDonald's on TV, and you don't go to McDonald's because it's so bad for your body, but you're watching Desperate Housewives. 
So, <laughs> right. You, you know, well, you're forming your conscience badly, just the same way you form your body badly. So, I think people are more and, and willing ba- to. Back to that goes to me. That goes right back to the confirmation bias that we talked about early on today. Um, confirmation bias is another form of rationalization. And the thing you just said about McDonald's and desperate housewives, we can make ourselves feel really good. I'm good at it. You are too. I'm sure Mm -hmm. we can make ourselves feel like super, super good by saying, I went to the gym today and had a smoothie instead of a cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And now here you are watching things that are rotting your soul from the inside. (laughs) But, but you don't, by God, but you feel really good about. But going you know what's to the weird or, is, I swear it seems like people. I don't know at what point because I watched crap for a long time and like read bad things and did stuff, and at some who point, hasn't? And at some point, it felt bad. So at some point along the way, which I guess I can't like pinpoint, but I think it's a journey with God. The closer I got to Him, the more repelling all this stuff started to seem, and I'm so grateful for it because. When you get rid of that stuff, you have you open yourself up for true beauty. There's so little time on this earth, it feels like sometimes. Like, I'm so glad I'm not wasting my life trying to watch The Bachelor. That's just... And, I, and that's not to be like, oh, like, I'm so much better than people. I'm definitely not. And I waste my time with a lot of stuff. A lot. But um, Me too. I'm just saying that forming your conscience, I think is very similar to, to forming a workout routine, which people are used to in this culture, making a diet plan. People have these apps for, you know, watching your calories. It's all well and good. I do that too. Um, but I, it's, it's so important to do the exact same thing, but for your soul. And, and it's funny, even in, in other cultures, even in a more secular way or whatever, I think about like Frasier, because they don't talk a lot about spirituality on that show, but I really do love that show. We're rewatching the the series right now, and they, to them, which I think is also important, they think this way about just elevation in you know literature and stuff and the opera and a higher. I think we're all called to try and form our tastes and everything higher as high as we can. And I just think that that includes the soul, which is missing on that show. I mean, Frasier is like this rampant, like sexaholic, and it's like it's an odd, to me, it's odd. Like he doesn't, right. he doesn't think about his soul at all. And um, right, right, right. But he thinks about everything else, anyway. So we, we all have. <laughs> he actually does. Yeah, there's a lot of thinking that goes on in that show, and it's a really great show. And that he cares deeply about morality. Him and Niles constantly go back and forth on well-formed morality and conscience and but uh anyways just um i just the more time you put into this i think the more you will hear uh or just naturally trust that god is is moving you in your life and i don't know i think about trent horn too he's you know apologist we've talked about a lot he's so smart and he's a convert to Catholicism, like through his own brain, pretty much just studying. And yeah, it came to him, and he admits still to this day. I've talked to him about this privately, but I've also heard him talk about it. He has almost zero, like, revelatory stories where God just boom, like he has nothing like that. There's no big moments or 
Well, that's because, like I said a minute ago, God God comes to each of us in our own way. Yes. And- he's, he's a very personal God. He doesn't have like a, a, a blanket message. He doesn't, he doesn't have one pitch for everybody. He comes to each of us in a unique way. And that's why we can say with confidence to everybody listening and to whomever we meet, and what I always try to say is just look. Just seek him. Like, yeah. whatever that even means to you, just do it. If so, you look, and I swear you'll find him. And, and I actually say that to people with some amount, the, the highest amount of confidence I have in anything I ever say to anyone is that. I promise you, if you look with your heart open, your mind open, you will find God. It's this very powerful well, thing that Matthew, is true. Matthew chapter 7 uh, verses seven and eight: Ask, seek, knock. Right? Ask, and you shall find. Ask, and and it will be given. Seek, and you shall find. And knock, and the door will be opened. And the real message there is: keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. But um, isn't it true that you can tell somebody that and be so confident because it's so yes. true? Oh, it is. You just t- it, just it's look. absolutely true. Um, we, we need to kind of like finish on the conscience part because we didn't, we didn't like put the cross the T there and all, but once again, an atheist, an agnostic, a Christian, a Buddha, whatever, whoever, they will almost to a person will agree that you should not go against your own conscience. Don't disobey it. Uh, go ahead and disobey the church, the state, your parents. Uh, authority, whatever, but don't disobey your conscience. And so if that is indeed our guiding force, then we really have to pay attention to it. We have to uh, give it, we have to give it more authority than we, than we often do. I mean, all of us, the best of us, the worst of us. Um, So St. Paul told us that this is a great, great, great from Romans chapter 14. So Paul says, you have a good conscience, keep it a matter between yourself and God. The person who can make his own choice is fortunate without self-questioning. And then here's my favorite part. He says, he who hesitates and then eats nonetheless is self-condemned. He who acts in bad, he acts in bad conscience, and wherever there is bad conscience, there is sin. So what he says right there is, mm-hmm. he who hesitates and eats nonetheless, he's saying, you hes- why did you hesitate? Oh, you hesitated because your conscience told you not to do that. Was it, it Jesus said, who said, I told you, to- uh, now I told them their sin, now their sin remains, before, like before I told them there was sin? They, right, they, they didn't, didn't have know. sin, but now that I've told them, now they're now that's when your bad conscience is there. So when you exactly know, exactly right, yeah, oh yeah. So so Saint Paul straight up right there in Romans uh, two thousand years ago, folks, he straight up nailed it, and it's something that I do all the time. I'm sure every single person does this. Is some whatever the however small, however large. We hesitate for a second because something told us, wait a minute, don't do that. But we did it anyway. Yep. Um, we just condemned ourselves. We just like went against our own conscience. It's called and a wherever moral you, sin. Well, it, it, it may be a venial sin. It might, be, it might be something small. But whatever it is, 
we violated our own conscience. And whether if you're an atheist listening, um, don't call it a sin if you don't want to, but call it a mistake, whatever you want to call it. But you did something even though you knew because that voice inside you told you not to do it. Well, when we teach kids, when we teach the young kids what the difference is between a venial and a mortal sin, usually it's, for me, it's always been a mortal sin is something you knew was wrong and you did it anyway. That's the difference. A venial sin, it may, it's, may, may be small or big. I mean, it's... Well, a, but if you... Actually, I, I think any sin requires... Knowing no, that. because you can do something and not... Like, it's the ones like what you're talking about. I've always thought of it that way, where you straight up thought, like, right before you did it, I shouldn't do this, and you did it. There's a mortal sin. Like, that's got... That's it. That's the qualification. Sometimes you can sin, I think, venially by, let's say, just without even thinking about it, gossiping about some lady with your friends. And then you're like, damn it, I shouldn't have done that. But if you stop and think about it, like, I really shouldn't be gossiping, but then you still do it. You can tell how much worse that is. That elevates it because you, you've you got the, you you already, like, you clearly, you had a chance to not do it. Right. Well, the, the, our, our church at least, still, it can still be a, a, a venial sin. Yeah, or a mortal sin. If you the the mortal sins are sort of outlined in James and John, all the you know the uh, adultery and fornication and all of those. They they they're actually listed out. But um, anyway, either way, either way, either way, we're getting in the weeds with with uh, some technical stuff. But the point was, if your conscience tells you to do something or to not do something then you're almost always, no, you're always going to be better off doing that because even if your conscience was wrong, you acted in good faith. Right. And, and, and whether you're atheist or Christian or whatever you are, isn't that what we all want to do? We want to act, we want to, the things we do, we want to do them for the right reasons. And so, yeah. what better way than to listen to, all right, Anyway, but like you're saying, you are also you're you're also required to form your conscience so that when you're listening to something, it's not just you. Hmm, what do I want to? Well, do? And, what am and I that's thinking? That, right. That's that Aquinas thing I said about the ignorance. Um, if you're the cause of your own ignorance, that you can't hide behind that. So you 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 do need to get out there and and think about things, uh, study, read, whatever you know direction you want to take that. But you want you want to form. That conscience. You can tell this is a Catholic podcast because we barely talked about. There's so many feel good God wink stories out there, like millions that we could have read all yeah. of them, and that would have been the. But instead, we talked about sin. Huh. Yeah, but you know what? Actually, sin or mistake. But we talked about a, a guiding voice inside of us, which was sort of the gist of this. And my my uh, summary of what I hoped my points were was, you know, angels and bad angels may talk to us uh, and they may suggest things and all, but our conscience that that is a gift to us is something that we need to follow. And if the voice we hear, that little chart thing that I, that I mentioned uh, that I hope people will back up and write down, that's, that's, the, 
that's kind of, to me, the main message from all of this is this voice well, and this message that you hear, if it, if it does those good things, the good sides, then that's probably a righteous thing. Yeah, and, and we're all looking, you know, and I know, I know I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of stories from like, when they lost someone, maybe a message from beyond, it feels like. And that's another thing we didn't even talk about that people right. get, fall into that, you know. But uh, Yeah, seances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Necromancy. And so that's another thing is, you know, anyways, there's talking to God is a huge thing. And, you know, when I first met Adam, he didn't understand what faith even really was. And he, he, he you know, he never had any experiences that he could pinpoint. But since he's been Catholic uh, or Christian, you know, more Christian, he now remembers times where he, you know, but he just didn't recognize it. So that's also something that I always pray for for people is just even things that have already happened to you. Maybe, you know, God's been with you. So maybe look back also while you're looking forward. But, uh well, and, and your homework, uh, your homework, of course, will be to uh, look up stories of of messages and think about your own and talk to your friends about them, and then see how they kind of fall into what we've talked about here. Um, what kind of message was it? Was it booming like Job saw? Was it was it not? Was it like uh, Mother Teresa, where you had to look really look for it? Was it subtle? Um, and did it lead you or did it push you? And what happened after that? I mean, these are, it's fascinating to think about how we interpret these messages and what we do with them. And my message would just be, like I say, like, look, seek. Really, 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 really. When my husband and I, for all those years, were trying to get pregnant, and it felt like this giant, like, just void. And I just couldn't quite understand, but I still trusted God. And actually, probably the second big like communication between me and God came when I was really depressed because I just like got my period or whatever so another month of no baby and I just remember this huge like like I said God is wisdom but so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this thing this question came in my head that said if you disavow God right now you will be pregnant next month it was just like this almost like a test or something it just like popped into my head and I re- remember thinking so clearly that I would rather never be pregnant and I would never do that. And it was this great joy filled me like that. I, so even in this hard situation, I got this extreme joy just because I, I, I did have someone with me. God was with me and he just reminded me like, trust me this, then just trust me. Everything's okay. You know, you have Surprise what you quiz. really want. What? what, 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 what does Jesus mean? Um, Emmanuel, right? You shall name him Emmanuel. What does that mean? God is with us. God with us, right? And he is. He really is. My closing Bible verse for this will be from John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Amen. Yeah, we're Amen. long, so let's... Keep we're moving. long, but real. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say we're recording this on... a. Uh, an historic night. True. Uh, the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians are in the World Series, and tonight is Game 7. Mm-hmm. Well, I was funny. hoping we'd have resolution before we finish, but if you don't know, here's what happened. 
the Chicago Cubs were in the eighth inning up six to three and about to win their first World Series in 108 years. And the Cleveland Indians tied it up. They went through the ninth inning, still tied. And so we're going to extra innings. And now we are in the 10th inning, and there's a rain, there's a rain delay. In Game 7 of the World Series. And it's, in Game 7 and it's of the World Series. still one of the most boring things I've heard all day. Golly. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge <laughs> baseball guy, but this is incredible. I know. I'm this is incredible. This is ridiculous, guys. All right, I thought you were going to mention that it's All Souls Day, so... Oh, I should have. I should have mentioned that. Um, so think about, your, think about your loved ones. and Think about all your dearly departed, because mm-hmm. that's what today is. Yes, pray, 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 and you will hear a voice. It will be my voice, because you're going to listen to the podcast again or something. Uh, maybe my voice. I hope not, because that's Oof, not good. I don't wish my voice on anyone. Uh, nor do I. My poor baby Mine, in my I mean. belly is like, can you just stop talking? Come on, you have a cartoon voice, too. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get out of here. All right, well, well wait. Um, in Rocky Mountain High, John Denver has a great line where everybody knows it, where he says, uh, "Talk to God and listen to the casual reply." And he's speaking very, about the, very, the the wonder that is the nature of the Rocky Mountains. And that was Job, my friend. That mm-hmm. that quote that I read from Job thirty seven. That's that's what John Denver was channeling right there. Um, it, it's casual and it's great and it's booming, but listen to God, listen to your conscience. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Keep moving forward, listening to your conscience. God bless you all. Give a little whistle and always let your conscience be your God. Your conscience be your guide.